Just a little hello before we head to today's recording. Uh, we're chatting today to Zenon Misko, who is in Bangkok. He used to live in Melbourne, uh, where he worked at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. You'll he'll hear a bit more about that. But uh, Zenon uh, and I recorded this chat before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Zenon's uh, background is Ukrainian, and we just felt it was worth saying that, uh, yeah, that terrible world event had not yet occurred. That's why we don't touch on it. Uh, and, yeah, I guess it's really, you know, so many things are happening in the world all the time, good things and bad things. It is a crush of news at the moment. It's hard to encapsulate everything and all the feelings in one chat. But, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Uh, certainly, no matter what's happening in the UK, there are still some super tasty snacks in Bangkok. Hope you enjoy this chat. It's exhilarating being here. Um, you know, the, the people are beautiful. The culture is beautiful. Um, the, the, the obsession with food is is, is fantastic. And um, but yeah, it's great to challenge yourself and uh, to give things a go. Today on Dirty Linen, we are jumping offshore and heading across to Bangkok, Thailand. We're talking to Zenon Misko, who I've known for many years because he's worked for the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, but we find him today far from home. Welcome, Zenon, to Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. It's um, it's so lovely to have you on the show. Um, yeah, it's, it was always such a pleasure to connect with you around the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, and then suddenly you skipped off overseas. Tell us what's happened. Why are you in Thailand? I did skip off, and it might have been abruptly to some, but no, it was, um, yeah, um, I've moved to Bangkok, and I've been here about seven months with my wife and now one-year-old, um, little Yuri Cumulus Misko. Um, we are living in Bangkok, and we picked up and moved um, – in the middle of a pandemic and uh yeah and so challenging but we've loved it um why did i do it why did we do it um i'd always wanted to live in bangkok um for say 20 or 25 years i've just had a connection with it i've been coming here to thailand and bangkok for many years but at the end of the day why did we do it um i did i mean i'm food obsessed and uh i've always wanted to live in bangkok i think the food obsession and dedication to food and love of it is phenomenal so um that was part of it and i'm i'm a map person I'm a, I'm a city person in terms of getting to know streets and laneways and whether it's a control freak thing or whether it's an OCD thing. I've always liked to, hate to use the word conquer, but get to know cities really well. And uh, Bangkok throws up, one, I think, one of the great challenges of a city and getting to know the streets. You can't get to know them all. It's impossible. It is impossible. But um, I'm getting there and um, instead of loving it. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I can tell you, um, culture shock's a good thing. Change is a good thing. Um, it hasn't been easy. We've shed a few tears, um, but um, we're very glad we've done it, and it's great to challenge yourself in life. Um, so very different to Melbourne, um, but, um, but yeah, we are, we're doing it. <laughs> wow, I'm so impressed, and that's such a great answer. Tell us, then, on, like, how are you spending your time as a – food-obsessed city explorer? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm raising a boy and I, I'm sort of um, with him majority of the day. Um, I do get out a lot of my own as well. Yeah, it's exploring the city. It's, it's, it's getting to see how people live and communities live. 
I've always loved doing that. Um, it's introducing my boy, Yuri, who's now one, um, you know, um, into looking at a different culture. I mean, I just, I love walking around into little, into neighbourhoods uh, and then, you know, someone will, will, will pull out a banana for him to eat or some crispy pork and, and they love kids here in Thailand. So it's really a great way to, um, you know, to, to raise a, to raise a young boy, um, a one-year-old. And, um, and we always had a plan, Kitty, my wife, Kitty and I, just to, if we were ever lucky enough to have a child to, to entertain the idea of, of living abroad while, while they are young. Um, and we're doing it. So, um, so yeah, so days are, um, you never know what you're going to see in Bangkok. Um, and, um, and sort of it's intoxicating, exhilarating. I've never been more exhausted. Um, but, um, but yeah, as I said, we're doing it and, uh, and sort of loving it as well. Um, so yeah. Then on, uh, can, is it possible, I'm sure there's a million, but is it possible to pick out some memorable meals or particular food adventures that you'd love to share with us? I definitely can. I mean, look, again, as I said, scratching the surface only in Bangkok. I mean, just when you walk down one street and you think it might be somewhat empty, the more you delve in Bangkok and the more laneways you see and the more, you know, just the more cooking you see in the streets, um, it is quite phenomenal. And I do love their um, – I do love what I do love is their, uh, you know, specialising in that one dish and um, in that craft and, uh, and the way you connect with um, chefs on the street. It might only be two minutes here or there, and, but it's, it's fantastic. Um, what I thought I might um, in terms of um, favourites or, you know, um, I've um, – I, look, I'll go through – Three three dishes, and they're based around sort of neighbourhoods we go to. But congee, rice porridge. Um, you know, there's some fantastic rice porridge on the street in Bangkok. But um, the way I bring it up because my boy Yuri loves um, congee. Um, it's one of his favourite dishes, and we we often get it off the street. There's one in particular in a suburb called Bangrak, um, which is by the river. Very very old part of Bangkok. I think it has the oldest street in Bangkok. Um, and there's a place called Jock Prince, which is um, it, it, it makes a wonderful congee, but it's very, very smoky, and it has you know beautiful pork balls that are made with love and century egg and all of that. But we often cross town, whether it be on a sky train or in traffic, just to get over there, and they, they make it for him. They know that he loves it. I mean, they don't make it for him, but, you know, they, they serve him a plain version of it. Um, and so that that brings a smile to my um, to my mouth, and um, and we love it. So that's one dish. Um, Again, there's another. There's a beautiful neighbourhood called Udom Suk. It's in the eastern part of Bangkok, which I've been exploring. Um, yeah, so crispy pork, hand rolled, hand rolled rice noodle soup. Um, it's just a beautiful dish that I've discovered in Udom Suk. Um, she um, she's just got such a lovely smile. She feeds Yuri some crispy pork as well. But it's not just the soup and the noodles. Um, it is some of the most beautiful crispy pork I've had, or crisp pork I've had in Bangkok. Um, so I often go there, whether it's once a week um, or once a fortnight. It's not a short trip, but um, it's worth the effort, definitely. So that's one highlight. And then I've got to say, we've um, we've fallen in love with mango sticky rice. Um, so sticky mango rice, we we absolutely love it. Um, we um, just to put it in perspective, we had it last night and we had it the night before. Um, it is just so delicious and yummy. Um, I don't know if anyone in Melbourne's really sort of, you know, burst onto the scene with the mango sticky rice. I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see Kate from Loon do one actually. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Throw out the challenge there. The challenge has been put out there. But um, 
the, the thing about it is, uh, generally, it's good, but there is a difference, I think, between when it's really good. And we've definitely tasted around um, Bangkok now, and I've sort of, you know, ticked off some of the ones that are highly regarded. Um, but at the end of the day, it's we love a little bit of salt, that saltiness. So the saltiness through the um, through the coconut sauce and through the um, and through the actual rice itself. Um, and of course, the mango, the quality of the mango is vital as well. But um, we've just discovered last night um, about a kilometre from our place or a five minute cycle down the road, we've got a new vendor who's doing some of the most beautiful mango sticky rice um, around. And uh, look, dare, dare I say it, I could be there four or five times a week. It's just magnificent. So that's our little dessert to end the day together. Um, mango, not every night, but you know, we love it. Uh, it just sounds so rich and fun and, yeah, endless, like you will never get to the bottom of everything. But do you have some dishes that you're looking for? Like is there something you haven't found yet that you know you want to try? Um, yeah, again, there's a lot. So I've done a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of reading online. You sort of tend to follow the people. And, you know, Bangkok Foodie is fantastic on Instagram. But um and then, you know, I love, I love the um, spontaneous discoveries as well. But in terms of doing the research and trying to, often I get a cab and sometimes with Yuri where, you know, I'll get a cab directly. We live in Prakanong, so sort of in the inner east um, next to Tong Law and Ekamai, which are very, very sort of hip and happening neighbourhoods. We're one more away from that. So this crab omelette, so it's meant to be magnificent. Um, it's, on a, it's on a canal. Um, I believe they've actually upgraded the restaurant. So it was kind of, let's say... Um, you know, um, it's just via a canal and those cleans what people may want to sit next to, but it's um, been upgraded and it's and it's meant to be a very, very big um, big wait list for it. Um, so you can get there and often wait for an hour and a half. Not that people are lining up down the road, but a lot of food delivery people will be there as well. So you have to wait for all those orders to go out. So there's that. Um, I'm I'm definitely um, I'm definitely always searching for you know um, for stewed pork, duck, and a lot of those sort of um, th- those sort of meats which I've tried around town. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's about delving and having a look at things. And, and you just, the more you sort of sink your teeth into it, the more you discover. Um, we haven't had any of the big salt, um, salt crusted fish yet off the grills, which we want to do soon as well. Um, you know, this morning I just went for a little walk with Yuri just around our corner and I, I got some pandanus infused sticky rice for breakfast and for him with um, some essentially pork, pork jerky. Um, and it's not something I would eat every day, pork jerky or gravitate to usually, but uh, absolutely delicious. So it's actually taking the time to actually look at, look at all the people and what they're making and, um, and you just never know what you will discover. So, so yeah. That's amazing, Zenon. Um, yeah, just I'm so uh, missing travelling that just to hear about these little adventures is making me really hungry and excited uh, how are you going with the language like are you able to communicate in Thai at all I knew this would come um look again I'm gonna say basics I do want <laughs> I do want to learn more I want to respect the culture you know we've got the little things like you know go left go right um you know um key dollar figures um you know war- having your coffee warm um you know Yuri smiles a lot and and um everybody like he does actually smile at a lot of people and they love him but he um so you say yim um um, for smile, but he so just so some little basics, directional things, um, food, different foods, obviously, uh, and but want to get better and better at it, and very conscious of it, and respecting the culture, and um, knowing that it's my problem if um, and uh, if I can't communicate clearly and effectively. But I suppose you've always got Google um, Translator as well. Um, you know, which uh, does have a have a, a big impact as well. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of people would imagine it's 
having a small child, you know, who has their own needs and rhythms would be an impediment to exploring a city. But it sounds like you're finding Yuri is a, is a great icebreaker. Um, yeah. Um, talk to me when I've got home after being out for four hours with him holding five or so shopping bags, having been on the bus um, in 40 degree heat and pollution and then getting home and... I, I dare say um, I'm in need of a seat and a little bit stressed, but that's completely my doing. Um, I do push the envelope a little bit, getting better at bringing it back and honing in on one thing at a time or maybe two. Um, I've discovered a play centre, which I didn't think I'd be a play centre guy, but it is a brilliant play centre called Kidzuna in Bangkok. Um, a lot of the expats love it here. Um, it's just an adventure land and even a one-year-old can just get in there and the look of wonder on his face when he first came in and said, what is this? And then he just went off to explore and crawl um, and explore all the lands in there. So, look, I'm aiming to do that once a week, not five times a week. Um, and then, um, but yeah, but in terms of urine, having kids, I mean, Thailand is an amazing place to travel with um, little ones. They love kids. They take it to another level. Like, I'm not joking. You can't can't, I can't walk with Yuri and not, not say hi to, so let's say, 20, 30, 40 people, even a short 10-minute walk. They all want to wave. They, they, they want to wave. They want to smile with him. They want to talk with him. I mean, they want to touch him, which I'm really open to, but conscious of the world we live in at the moment. Um, but generally, people are safe. Everybody wears a mask. Um, but, yeah, but it's a great place for travelling with him. And I want him to see everything. I don't want it to, for it to be sugar-coated. You know, there are, you know there, are rats, there are rats on the street. There are smelly canals. There are, um, you know, there are very disadvantaged people in the streets. Um, so, you know, I want him to, you know, embrace and see all of it. And, um, and, and that's sort of part of, part of the reason we're here. But, yeah, very, very child-friendly. And he's starting to eat really well. You know, he's loving his sticky rice, his congee, his tropical fruits. He's a, he's a papaya boy. Um, even 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 ahead of mango, which he loves, but papaya and um, and you know he's moving on to you're moving on to his he loves his chicken and pork and um, yeah so it's a, it's a great uh, great city and country um, to be in with him and especially with all the beaches on the doorstep as well there we've been lucky enough to spend a month or so on the on the islands and um, he's just loved the um, love the sand as have we and the beach. Mm. I mean, you must have such an interesting perspective on Melbourne and, you know, with the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival after, you know, a couple of incredibly difficult years getting up an amazing program, which is, you know, on sale and in large part already sold out. What What's it like, um, you know, what's your perspective on Melbourne at the moment? Well, I'm um, incredibly proud of the team just to bring it back to Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. Um, to get that program up, um, it's exciting um, and just I know, and having been a part of the last couple of years now and being away from over for about half a, half a year now, away from Melbourne Food and Wine, just the effort I know that everybody's gone through and the whole industry um, and Victorians um, and Australians, but to go through um, and to get that program up and the amount of admin, I'm just so proud of the team. And it's a magnificent, diverse program, um, great international flavour, but then brilliant, um, really great local focus as well, which it should be, which is, I think, the most important part. I'm not happy with the creative director, Pat Nurse, and I'll let him know that in the year that I've left, he's, um, you know, he's been able to secure a Ukrainian, me being Ukrainian. Ukrainian, Ukrainian in the program for the first time, uh, to my knowledge. So um, I'm hoping my mum and family can get to that event um, to see Olya. But um, that aside, um, Melbourne, look, having been part of a, a, the bulk of the lockdowns and all of that um, and having seen, look, the work you've done, Danny, magnificent. Um, 
Look, I, I mean, I've got, I've got to admit, you, you, when, you, when you go abroad, you tend to see some more of the bleaker pictures of, you know, of, of sort of centre place and some of the laneways looking really bleak and it hits home a little bit more than, than the resilience and the positivity that you get every time I spoke to people um, and how resilient they were. And I just couldn't believe it. Um, even though I know we've had some very sad closing of restaurants and I know how bleak it is and will continue to be. Um, but, but that aside, I'm buoyed by your recent post, Danny, um, which we'll talking about about how Melbourne does seem re-energised. I've been talking to family and friends who have been hopping around. One friend, I think, went from Barlarenia to a pocket to, to, for dessert last weekend, and they were, you know, th- they were re-energised and feeling great. Um, so, so I really hope it just continues, and I hope Melbourne Food and Wine, they really deserve a clear run at the festival where they can deliver what they set out to. Um, and, and what I hope is, apart from the key messaging that, that Melbourne and, and people in hospitality and you, Danny, and, um, and Melbourne Food and Wine, you know, are, are taking away the serious side of sort of food and sustainability. And um, I just hope people can actually just bring back the joy as well. And when I was going to the festival prior to working there 15 years ago when I was attending events or even when I, was, I did a little bit of part-time work, the joy of being around people, being around chefs, around winemakers, around... Um, internationals, but that joy where you actually get a bit goosebumpy and you just get pumped up and excited. I just want that to come back where it's just the look of wonder on people's faces to go, this is fun. So, look, it's pretty obvious that's what you're after, but um, that's what I hope can come back with the 2022, the 30th year as well, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. It's an incredible milestone. And, you know, I I, I mean, it's so well said, Zenon. I honestly feel that even now more than ever, I think people are, are ready to feel that joy and it can sweep over you, sweep you up and just envelop, encompass and fill you all at the same time um, because it is so special to be able to gather with other people around, you know, food and wine experiences. I think Melbourne uh, certainly, you know, to the, to Melbourne has certainly not lost that. I think Melbourne's going to have even more capacity for it. So certainly it's, you know, there's still a lot of, hardship and difficulty and challenges but I think um yeah we know that the feeling is gonna is there and yeah it'll it'll carry us along a long way yeah well said and I just wanted to point out um uh, just another side of the program which was very dear to me being lucky enough to work on it for a couple of years but um and I wanted to congratulate you Danny for uh, being named um uh, a Melbourne Food My Festival legend so um which is a wonderful achievement and uh, very well deserved um, but yeah, I just thanks, that, Senna, no, yes. we can cut that out. But yeah, okay, no, but thank you. But the legends, um, the legends program is um, and rising stars um, program is a really um, important, wonderful part of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, which everything evolves and changes in life. It just does, and I just hope that side of the program, um, you know, and it's been you know beautifully steered by Jill Duplay over many years and others. But um, I just hope that side of the program continues. And um, and uh, yeah, uh, having said, it's a very special part of, of, of the program, and to, to honour those that have done so much and will continue to do uh, do things for the industry. Absolutely, it's funny to think about you. Um, yeah, saying talking about that and you know things you know so much about, but to think that you know if you stepped out of your door now, you'd be in a steamy Bangkok street and you could just wander around and get some incredible crisp pork and some mango sticky rice. I just I just love thinking about that contrast. 
It's kind of it's exotic, it's different, um, but um, and look, having said that, it's um, it's actually rather cool at the moment. It might be you know thirty one, thirty two. And I've been told by a lot of people, um, not told, but just saying that sometimes it's advisable to get out if you can in April um, and May. It does get very very hot, but um, we'll be um, we'll be staying put. But we also may pop into Australia for a couple of weeks in April, and we may be able to time that around Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. So um, important to see family. Um, and also would love to catch up with, you know, with um, a lot of friends and, um, and even just be, just, you know, be a part of uh, Melbourne and um, get out and about as much as I can. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's so great, Zenon. It's been amazing to catch up with you. Um, certainly being left very hungry is a feature of talking to you in any city in the world, but I think when you are in Bangkok, it is a, an especial feature. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some time and some stories with us today on Dirty Linen. Fantastic. Well, um, it's, yeah, thanks, Danny. Uh, love the work you're doing and uh, great to be a part of it, um, of Dirty Linen. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, as I said, we're, um, it's exhilarating being here. Um, you know, the, the people are beautiful. The culture is beautiful. Um, the, the, the obsession with food is, is, is fantastic. Um, and so we're just going to give it a go. We're not putting a timeline on it. It may be another year or two, but we'll definitely settle back in Australia. Um, that's the plan. And um, But, yeah, it's great to challenge yourself and uh, to give things a go. So, um, yeah, that's what we've done. Yeah, love it. Super impressive. Um, and, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thank you, Danny. Oh, I definitely will. Great. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.